episode of MJ's Progress Not Perfection. Today's guest is Kayla. Kayla is somebody that, you know, has definitely had her bouts with relapses. Um, even so, going to the point where, you know, she relapsed as a sober living manager while being a living sober living manager. And we get into all that. We get into the overdoses and the time saved and, you know, why it's working this time as opposed to the other times. Really has an incredible story, and it was really a pleasure talking to her, so I hope you enjoy it as much as Welcome I did. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. So how how much clean time do you have exactly? Um, I have eight months and six days today. Is that the most you've ever, like, put together? Yeah, I... I had about nine months back in 2019. I I don't know if I actually ever hit nine months. By that point, I was like done. I was already in relapse mode and was like done tracking my time. But yeah, you, everyone always says how like you always relapse in your head before you actually relapse. Exactly. Yeah. But and it's the truth because I mean, let's be real. Like our problem really wasn't drugs; it was our mind. So as soon yeah. as our mind takes us out, the drugs are what follows. Yeah. So, and what were you, what was, when did you start using? Um, I started drinking and smoking weed when I was like 14, um, like freshman year of high school, but it really wasn't bad until, I don't know, when I was about like 20 years old, I started doing pills and drinking heavily and, you know, Xanax and, um, like Oxy became a huge issue. And then I started doing heroin about, uh, like, the beginning of, or no, around uh, October 2018, like, right before I first went into treatment. Oh, okay. So, how long were you doing, like, pills before you found heroin? Um, that would be, like, probably, like, two or three years, I think. Okay. That makes, I mean, because, I mean, Xanax, Xanax. Xanax and drinking heavily means that you're telling me that you blacked out, like, every night. Oh, yeah. That was, like, that was normal. Can I take a shot in the dark that you also stole stuff when you took Xanax? <laughs> I don't know what it is about that, but... <laughs> every single person that I've talked to that, you know, got into Xanax, because I'm <laughs> one of them, I never stole anything else. But when I was on Xanax, I don't right. know what it is. Every single person I've talked to that says, yeah, I like Xanax... Like, did you ever steal? Like, oh, my God, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't and, know why, but yeah. And everyone had, and some people have, like, didn't even have the realization until, like, I brought it up. I'm like, did you steal on Xanax? They're like, wait a minute, I only ever stole on Xanax. So, yeah, it's <laughs> one of those things, like, and I'm sure, like, for me, whenever I was on Xanax, I'd blacked out. Like, that. Mm -hmm. I do that, especially when alcohol was involved, which right. it usually was. Like, let's be real. Um, and you said Oxy, but... I have a feeling you mean the Roxy's, like the yeah. 30s? Yeah. Yeah. That because, and was what got me on heroin. Because Oxycontin, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm, old, I'm old enough that I sniffed Oxycontin back in the mid-2000s. <laughs> you know, it was like 2008 when I got really into all this. And um, Oxycontin was still, like, crushable then. And <laughs> then by, like, within a couple of years, it was, like, the gel. And then everyone was doing the blues. Mm -hmm. And then the blues had a hold of me for like a decade. Um, so, you know, how how did you know you were an addict while you were doing the pills? Did you like say to yourself like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm an addict? Um, I don't think 
I did until um, I got like a DUI and went to jail. I think before it was like, oh, I'm just experimenting with drugs and trying to expand my mind. And like, I had this whole like complex of trying to prove that I can go to college and be smart and study and do what I'm supposed to do and still like recreationally use drugs. Like it's, and I'll fell apart. <laughs> like, <laughs> so were you escaping something with drugs? Like how was the childhood? Yeah, my, um, I mean, I had a pretty normal childhood. Like my, my parents are still together. They were, I mean, they're really good people. You know, I wasn't abused by them or anything, but, um, I was bullied like really bad throughout all of, I mean, all of grade school and like didn't really have a lot of friends. And I know there was like a little bit of trauma that went on like at middle school. Um, I have really bad anxiety and depression and like BPD. And um, I tried to like off myself twice in seventh grade and had to go to a psychiatric unit for it. So I guess like when I started drinking in high school, it like, I remember, I remember when it like clicked. I didn't realize that it clicked until later on, but like this was that moment. I went to like my first like cool kid party in high school and um, everyone was drinking. So I just, you know, started drinking a little bit. I started drinking a little bit more and I started to like talk to people that I normally wouldn't talk to. And I became like, just a very fun, sociable person that people enjoyed being around. And like, I never really felt that before. So I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this is, I got, I want to feel like this for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> what's going to help me to be so talkative and be so friendly, right. like, so that everyone wants to be, fr look, I'm drinking and everyone wants to be friends when I'm drinking, yeah. Kayla. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes sense. And then what introduced you to pills eventually, though? Um, I think. Well, I know I like, said what, but I, I probably mean who. Yeah. Was it somebody? I'm trying to remember. I mean, it was kind of like a now and then thing to begin with. Like, I remember being at one of my close friends' house and like her dad would um just like give us like his whatever opiate pills he had or like his Xanax or whatever. I don't know if they were pres actually prescription or if they were just shit that he bought, but like we would just crush him down while we were drinking and, you know, um, and then I started like actually buying Xanax in college because my anxiety was like so bad going to class. And like, I didn't really have like a lot of connects back then just because I didn't like have a lot of friends or like really talk to people. So like, I guess that's <laughs> why it took a while for things to take off. When they took off, they took off. When they took off, they took off. Yeah. So like, because, you know. I, I read somebody like posted something weeks ago, like how much money would you have now if you never did drugs? And, <laughs> but like, I always said, I, I answered it and I said, it's kind of a mute point because like a lot of the money I made in addiction, I would not have made sober. Right. You know, I, I, there's a lot of things that like, you know, we had to do to make money in order to like, get, these are expensive habits, you know, yeah. like, especially like Roxy's. I'm not sure where you where are you at again. Um, I'm in Tennessee now, but this all was going on in North Carolina. Okay, I was I lived in North Carolina in 2015, 2016. Okay. Um, I was in Durham, and um, like I was a I was a hard drinker. I was at the bars every night, 
And if I could find Coke, I was snorting it. If I could find pills, I was snorting them. If I had a little bit extra money, I would have my pills mailed to me from Jersey, where I'm from. You know, and I had, that's where all my connections were. And I would just pay somebody extra, Western Union, to, like, mail me, you know, the pills. Yeah. And then my next day looked like me sitting outside waiting for the post <laughs> post worker to <laughs> drop off my pills so that I could get high right away. You yeah. know, like, just insanity. Um, so when you got into, like, pills, you were like, all right, now I'm an addict or, like? No, I mean, still then it was, like, no, this is just, like, a recreational thing I do. Like, it's just, like, drinking on the weekends. And, I mean, really, it wasn't, I mean, I don't want to say it wasn't bad because I was snorting pills, like, <laughs> every single weekend. But, like, it, it wasn't was, every day yet. It wasn't every day. I wasn't, like, I wasn't going to go into withdrawals over anything yet. But I guess, um, like, 2017, 2018, like, I dropped out of college and it just got really out of hand. I had so much free time. Like, I ended up having to, like, where I got fired from a job because I kept calling out because I wanted to go drink or, like, do Xanax or do Coke or whatever. And eventually, it, like, ended with me driving home from work one day in, like, 2018. Um, or no, drunk. <laughs> got off work, went to the bar, took a bunch of Xanax, got drunk. Um, and then somehow got in my car and tried to drive home and crashed it into another car. And I don't remember, like, a single part of it. Like, nobody was hurt, thank God. Like, I was completely fine. The other people were completely fine. But I ended up going to jail for the night. Um, my mom picked me up, like, within, like, 12 hours, thankfully. But that was when I really like realized that it was an issue and like and the guy I was dating at the time was like you need to go to AA like now or like it's over <laughs> so that was my first AA meeting was the day after or the day that I got out of jail <laughs> and so you didn't go to treatment right away you went to AA right and how was your first experience with AA were you like gonna try it or were you only doing it to appease them it was I mean I I was open to it or I thought I was open to it um, but like, I remember going in there and I thought like I was the exception to the rule, like, you know, this is great. And I know you guys have to like abstain from alcohol and all mind altering substances for the rest of your life, but I just need to get it under control and then I'll be fine. And I remember like looking at the steps on the wall, like at some point after going, I'm like, all right, one, two, three, done. I'm on step four. <laughs> Like, it was just, like, oh, okay. Like, I never got a sponsor back then. Like, I didn't I didn't do it. I the right way. Right. Yeah. And how long did that, like, bout of sobriety last? Um, I got 30 days without alcohol, but I would still do Xanax and cocaine and smoke weed. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> but then, um... Yeah, that was, like, April, and then I just kind of, I would, like, hide um, my drinking and everything from the guy I was dating at the time. I was a real piece of shit <laughs> for that, um, and then I started doing hair, well, I started doing, like, the Opana and the Roxy's more often, and then I realized these are really expensive, like, 
and I heard that heroin was cheaper. It's really not that much cheaper. <laughs> not when it's you have really... the, yeah, the tolerance changes so much faster, and then right. you end up having to buy so much that you're spending more than you would on the pills. Right. So I found this guy at, like, work that, um, like, one of my friends at work, I was, I knew that he did heroin, so I asked him about it, and he was kind of, like, hesitant at first, like, I don't think you want to do this, and then, you know, eventually gave in. That lasted, like, maybe, like, two months before I went into rehab for the first time. What, what, now, how there's, there's two months, because, I mean, to go on a run for, I don't want to say only two months, but, I mean, you know, did anything happen that, like, you were like, all right, now I got to go to rehab. I mean, this is crazy. Like, you know, because usually people last a lot longer, you know. Yeah. So I feel like something happened to where you're like, I really need to go to rehab now. Well, this was like, I don't know, things, <laughs> all the bad things that happened really happened, like, in the last year when I was, like, in and out of rehab. But, like, this time the guy was um, dating, he, you know, found me drinking one day, like, just figured it all out. He was going to kick me out of the house. My parents found out that I was doing all this stuff. Um, they didn't know about the heroin at that point, but, like, my job, like, was just getting so upset with me because I was showing up drunk, like, every single day. It was just getting worse and worse. Like, they sent me home one day. So everyone that, like, I cared about at the time was, like, you need to go to rehab or, like, we're done. So, and I went, and, I mean, it lasted... I mean, <laughs> I went from about, like, 20 days in, like, a detox um, residential thing in West Virginia. And then I came back to Charlotte to do, like, a PHP, um, IOP, and OP thing. Yeah. I, I'm i not sure how much time I have before I relapse, but once I got to the OP level where I was allowed to, like, go back and live at home and just drive up there, like, a few times a week, I ended up relapsing. Um like on heroin and alcohol, I think. And, um, yeah. But somehow I was able to like pull myself out of that. And that's when I got like the almost nine months. But was and, there something that like, at, cause you don't, you said you already had relapsed before you relapsed in, the, in that nine months. Right. Yeah. Was it like where you? I know you were you were dating that guy who didn't want. Is there something happened? Like he left, and now all of a sudden you're like, well, is that a good guess? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It, <laughs> yeah, we um we ended up breaking up, and I moved out of the house, and you know, like during this, I don't know how. I mean, I know the only reason I had that clean time was because I had someone hovering over me, making sure that I stayed sober. I wasn't working a program. I didn't have a sponsor. Like I went to meetings every now and then, but like I wasn't doing anything to actually help myself stay sober. So as soon as like that little bit of accountability was gone, I was like, well, now I'm free and I can drink again and I'll be fine because I have all this, you know, I had all this time, like, <laughs> and because <laughs> like I, I remember there was a girl that I kept telling him rehab like if you drink again you're gonna do heroin again and she's like no I'm not an alcoholic I'm I was just an addict and oh, then yeah. I was like I was like okay but I'm just saying like if you drink eventually you're gonna do dope again and then she when she drank again within four hours she was shooting up so I'm curious how long did it take after you started drinking to where you were like this isn't working but I know what'll work <laughs> maybe a month I don't even know. It was like, like 
two, three weeks, maybe. And did you have like a certain person that you would just like hit up like, hey, I'm back? Um, not exactly. It was kind of like a new person that came into my life around that time. Um, I started hanging out with and they just kind of like brought it up, suggested it one day that we were hanging out and like, I was kind of like hesitant at first. I'm like, no, it'll be fine. Like, <laughs> at all this time, I'll be good this time. But, and it just, I mean, it did not take long. And you said that year was your roughest? Yeah, well, the, that, like, yeah. Can I you tell me a little bit about, like, what made it rough? Yeah, so, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, I was hanging out with this person, and we started doing heroin together. Um, yeah, so I ended up getting, okay, so I was living with my parents at this point because I moved out of um, place with my ex and I was drinking and doing heroin and going out and they kind of were catching on like that I wasn't sober and I really wasn't doing okay and that just made me so angry <laughs> that they like were trying to like give me a curfew and like all this stuff to save my life like it's just the audacity <laughs> and so um I ended up like um getting my own apartment like I got this shitty little studio on a bad road in Charlotte and um this guy moved in with me and you know I mean I still have my job like I still had money in the, my bank account like things weren't that bad but I don't know like what I mean I had never really experienced um dope sickness until this time around and when it came to the point where, like, I was running out of money because I had quit my job and all this, like, it was just, it was like a traumatic experience, like, being in this apartment with this person, honestly. Yeah, I mean, being dope sick will, like, drive you. You know what I mean? Like, you are motivated by how sick you are. It's, it's the opposite of when you're, like, sick for real because then you can't do anything. But when you're dope sick, like, you literally, you can't do anything, but you will do anything. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> like, I was driving two hours each way to score, you yeah. know, just because I knew that it was the fastest way for me to get high is to drive two hours. Yeah. Like, which is crazy to think, but I just didn't know anybody else. So I would just, all right, well, I can just sit here and be sick or I can just get in my car and be sick while I'm driving for two hours. Then I'll be good. Right. And, you know... And there's so many, like, at one point, like, I even embezzled 10 grand from my own company that I worked at with my dad, that my dad owned. Like, you know, it didn't matter. I was going to do anything and everything I could, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. So, you, yeah, and it's people, places, and things, right? So you were with this guy, or you say, you keep saying person. Guy, yeah. Okay, a guy, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, like, you know, it could be they, them. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's progressive for a heroin addict. So, all right. So you're with this dude, and obviously he's not the best influence. No. Um, not that, like, I blame him. For, no. Like, you know, because I made my own choices. But, like, I mean, we're two heroin addicts who, like, if, even, like, we tried to get 
clean so many times like on our own without going anywhere like but then the second that one of us is like i'm so sick you know we're in the car on the way and it's like i know i did this and i know he did this like it was like we would exaggerate how sick we were like we'd be fine and be like i don't know how many like day three maybe and like for some reason like i actually feel okay but my brain's like i would really love to get high right now so i'm like all like oh <laughs> i'm so i'm so sick dude like <laughs> and i was just i mean i i know i like had a few overdoses in that apartment um nothing so serious that like emts had to be called or anything but like um i know there's like video footage that he has of me like after he's like had to throw me in the shower and like pour like cold water on me and like on my chest and just like it's awful shit. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you guys had Narcan, some, but then again, they weren't really giving out Narcan for free back then yeah. as much as they are now. Yeah. So, because now people are more promoting like harm reduction, like don't use alone and make sure you use with somebody else. And here's some free Narcan and take. Yeah. Like we have Narcan here that we give out to people, mm -hmm. um, because we'd rather like one guy that comes here, he's already overdosed, you know, he but he keeps on coming to meetings, but so we gave him Narcan to take home with him just in case. Yeah. So, because, like, obviously he's still getting high, so I want him to have a chance, yeah. you know? Um, but you said you weren't working, though? Were you, sell were you selling? No. Um, <laughs> I was, we were just living off of my savings account. And, um, and like, well, I had, like, a, um, like, Adderall script that I didn't use, so I started filling that just to, like, get a little extra something. Um, I ended up well, at this point, um, <laughs> I mean, we like literally what happened was like I ran out of money and I was the one paying for everything. Like he didn't have a job. He didn't. Um, I mean, I yeah, paid for all the drugs. I paid for the rent. I paid for everything. Aren't you nice? <laughs> Aren't you so nice? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we call that a sponge. <laughs> yeah, like literally like, you know. Like, no, she's got, was he older than you? I envisioned him, like, being, like, a decade older than you. No, like, like, two years. Okay, still, he yeah. was older, though. <laughs> yeah. Usually, it's always, like, I don't know why, but I always see it where it's, like, the guy is, like, much older, and yet he needs the girl to do everything for him. And, you know, pay the bills, have the place in their name, make sure they go find it, like... It, it, you know, it never made sense. Did you know him just from using or did you know him from like back in the day? I didn't really know him. I mean, I met him. Um, we met like the guy that I started doing heroin with. We met at his funeral um, the year before. And then we really didn't talk or anything like just like a little bit on like Instagram or something. And then um, one of my mutual friends who I started drinking with once I moved out of my house um, kind of like introduced us more formally and like it was just like just from that point on it was just off did you get arrested with him at all no um that the dui was my only arrest uh, okay well that's good yeah <laughs> but, but you had a bunch of hospital visits yes yeah like that but you never had the paramedics come you just went to the hospital um i had the paramedics have to come twice um one time Okay, one time was, um, 
so like after I ran out of money and everything, like I decided to go to like rehab because I literally had like I didn't have any like I was being evicted, like I had nothing. I had a car and that was it. So I decided to go to rehab after like everyone like begging me, like rehab's calling me because my parents are bothering them, like just begging me to come in. Um, did that. Um, moved in the sober living after that. Was doing okay for like two days and then the third day I started drinking again and then um pretty much like right after that started doing heroin again and with the same person and then um within like maybe a month no like a month or two maybe um I decided to go back to rehab because I was like gonna get kicked out of the house and um I was like I mean, I was hanging out with this guy, so we were basically, like, homeless, just, like, running around the city, like, now and then we could, like, get a hotel or something um, to sleep in, and, like, we just kept running out of money, and he ends up going to de- into detox the day before me. They only had one bed, and he walked through the door first, so I'm just, like, walking around Charlotte, and I'm sick, so I call my dealer, and I, like, leave get like the last like ten dollars in my account to get an uber over there um get that and i'm just like walking around with it and eventually like my dad is like all right i'll come pick you up and i'll drive you to the hotel to stay for the night like and you're gonna go to detox in the morning i'm like okay and he picks me up and like i would never like i was fully planning on like waiting to do it until i got back to the hotel but like the reason and I think it was like God honestly is like weird as it sounds like I decided to like pretend I was car sick and like get in the backseat of the car so I could like do a shot and next thing I know I'm like waking up on the ground outside of um some gas station with like EMTs surrounding me and I'd overdosed in the back of my dad's car and they had never seen me like that like ever and um yeah they took me to the hospital and like I just like, I, I would have died in that hotel room. If I didn't do that then, like, I would have, that would have been it. Yeah. He wasn't, no one was going to stay with me, like. Yeah. So. You would have been using the loan against, you know. Right. And I didn't, I mean, what I thought was, like, not that much. Like, it was just going to be a little bit to, like, keep me from, you know, feeling like shit on the way there. But. I guess there's fentanyl in there. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, it doesn't matter how much at that point, you know, no. that's. You know, that, that's why I'm afraid to even relapse at this point. Yeah. You know, because you don't know where it is. You don't know where it is. I, I heard even, you know, it's, I know, it's even a meth nowadays. Like, you know, and I, obviously mine was the Roxy's and they're pressing them all the time with those. Yeah. So like, yeah, I am like, I have no desire. I mean, I've been through the steps and I was lifted up that obsession when I went through the steps. That's for damn sure. Um, and I know that they're not going to help me and help my problems anymore. So it's just one of those things in my mind's like, that was my twenties. You know, I got sober at 31. So I consider, well, that was my twenties. Those are all my lessons I need to learn for the rest <laughs> of my life because yeah. like, I can't go back and change anything at the same time. Like, I feel like anything I did in, in, in addiction, I had to do at that moment in order to be like survive. It was in full survival mood, yeah. you know? And so these are all just life lessons that, you know, that I had to learn that I didn't want to have to learn, you know, and what's it when, is that when you got sober or no? Um, 
no. <laughs> that, um, so I went to, I mean, like I went from the hospital to detox and from detox to back to the same rehab um, that I had been to in North Carolina two previous times. Um, I stayed there for like, I don't know, it's been like 45, 50 days. And I felt so good this time. It's like, this time is different. But I get out, I mean, I go to like the same sober living house and I'm doing good, I'm doing IOP and going to meetings, but like, I'm still not working a program. I don't have a sponsor. Like, I'm not, like, I'm just like, still like a dry drunk. Like, I'm not doing anything to actually fix the problem. I'm just sober now. Or like, I'm just not, you know. You're abstinent. Drunk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so all the problems that I was trying to mask with the drugs and the alcohol, like they're all, like all right in front of my face. <laughs> and, but I ended up getting like, I had this like two days shy of five months at this point. I think I relapsed in October of last year. Um, started hanging out with the same person again. <laughs> and um, I mean, for like, we were hanging out for like maybe a month. Um, before I started, like, before I relapsed, and he was telling me that he was sober, and then, like, it just got to the point where, like, he's nodding out in front of me, like, he's, like, scratching the shit out of himself, and I'm, like, you're not, like, just tell me, like, this is just, like, insulting for you to sit here and tell me that you're clean right now, and, um, he eventually told me, and then eventually I had a bad day, and I'm, like, hey, let's go get high, and, like, I started, um, like, faking my drug test, like, I went to, like, the greatest lengths to make sure like I peed clean like the most stressful experience okay. um not worth it like like I, I only ever brought in somebody else's pee because I never wanted to have that kind of stress of not knowing if it's gonna work or not you know well, like I knew that mine was gonna like it was <laughs> it was clean pee it was just like the process of like getting it into the cup with someone standing right in front of you was just like like I'm the hands over here sitting on the counter like shaking and I'm like I'll just like if I like I mean I'm never I never plan on relapsing or going back out but like if I ever do like I'm just gonna pack my bags I'm not gonna go through that again but um yeah so I'm I mean I'm getting away with it for like a few weeks somehow um they end up making me like house manager of this place while I'm getting high. I felt terrible. That only lasted like a week though before. Um, there was one night I was with the guy and we did like Xanax. The Xanax was pressed with fentanyl and we were drinking and I you know, blacked out. I lost my phone and I didn't come home and I had like a 11 o'clock curfew. So we wake up and I'm like kind of freaking out because I don't have a phone and I have a curfew and I'm like thinking like you know just wondering what they must be thinking and of course we're like feeling sick and don't have any money and I'm like well you know I've got to which I the one thing I promised myself I would never pawn was my MacBook but I'm like hey I have a MacBook back at the house so we get in my car and we drive over there and um the assistant house manager is standing at the door and she's like, I'm really sorry to talk to um, the lady that like oversees like the whole 
company. She's like, she says like, you gotta pack your stuff and leave like right now. She's like, I'm sorry I tried to talk to her, but like, you gotta go. So I'm like pissed off, like going in there, like grabbing all my shit, throwing it in the car. Um, she's like begging me, like, just like go back to treatment, like just go back through the whole thing, like we'll hold your spot. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm not doing anything. Like, I don't know why you kicked me out. Just like so upset. Um, As you were coming back there to pawn your MacBook, like, I don't know why. Yeah, like, the nerve the whole of you. I showed up was to grab my MacBook. Just, yeah. To sell it for drugs. Right. But I don't know why they're kicking me out. Yeah. What a bunch of assholes. They're just, like, I was just no, so no empathy. All the time. It was like, I was such a miserable person. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and we, I mean, sold the tobacco. They gave me like, I don't even know. I think they gave me like $150, $180 for it. It was yep. like a $2,000 MacBook. Yep. I got like nothing, but it was enough for the time being. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly like what led up to me going back to treatment this last time. I mean, oh. Well, it okay. sounds like it was right around Christmas. It, yeah. Well, like you would, if you're coming up on eight eight months or whatever, then, you know, you came into rehab around the New Year's. So what happened around Christmas of last year? Um, so after I got, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. There's like, right. a lot going through my head. No, I get it. <laughs> like, so, yeah. um. After I was kicked out of there, I like start. I just like started staying with um, my boyfriend at the time, and in his one room in his friend's house that he lived in, and that lasted for like a couple weeks, I think, and until the day that we we went to some guy's house to like hang out, did a bunch of like fentanyl test bars, were like pretty much blacked out, and. I really don't have much memory of this. Like you can see like images from it, but like, I don't, but like from what I know, like we uh, woke up in the morning, um, drove to Charlotte to pick up. And I guess I was driving the car back and I like knocked the, um, the mirror off the passenger side. And I guess he was like, you need to pull over. You can't drive. Like you're not okay. I'm like, okay. So I, I guess I pulled over and he got, um, in the driver's seat and we ended up, I guess he nodded out at the wheel, but we ended up rear-ending a semi-truck on the highway, um, both completely fine. Like they took me to the hospital, they took him to the hospital, but we like, I mean, I might've had like a scratch on my arm or something. Like, I don't know how that happened, but, um, he ended up going to jail for it, which I feel terrible about, but like also. I had, I mean, I had a breathalyzer on my car and like a restricted license. If I would have had that charge on top of that, I would mean, I don't even know if I'd ever get my license back. Yeah. So, I mean, everything happens for a reason, but. It really does. Yeah. And he probably needed the dry out anyway. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Like, so that, you know, I'm sure, how were your parents taking this accident? Well, they, um. They found out because they had put a tracking device on my car and they um, were looking at it and then saw that it was just stopped in the middle of the highway and they started calling highway patrol asking it like there was an accident and they confirmed there was and they're like, oh my God, like, is she in jail? And they're like, no, she's in the hospital. Like there's no charges against her. And she knew immediately who I was with and what happened and what was going on. Um, 
So she comes and picks me up from the hospital, takes me back to their house. And I remember like, I woke up in like my bed, like that was my bed at their house. And I like for a split second thought it was all like a really bad dream and realized that it wasn't. And I like ran in my mom's room, like basically just crying. Like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. It's like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, like, I have nothing to say. Like, this is just. Do you have siblings? No, it's just me. Just you. Okay. No, I was just curious, you know, because, like, I have a brother and sister that are very normal and <laughs> know, know how to drink normally and know when to stop and all that, like, stuff that I have no idea how to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and my parents are still together. You know what I mean? They've been together 36 years. So, like, you know, um, I, it's not that of my child. It was more like me rebelling and me just wanting to find my own way. Right. You, you know, so... I mean, I can totally see, like, you being confused even more, especially being an only child. You know, you're talking about being depressed. Like, you're not, you don't have that interaction at home with, like, somebody close to your age, like a sibling. So, like, mm -hmm. I can see you isolating easily and, you know, like you did. Yeah. So, but also I can see your parents being okay with giving you a lot of chances since you're their only kid. Yeah. So, that makes sense to me, too. Like... Um, so is that when you finally decided, like, all right, I guess we're going to go do this again? Yeah. I mean, I just... Did you go to the same rehab again? No, this time I, um, I came to Tennessee. <laughs> um, my mom's therapist actually found this place in Tennessee called, um, Cumberland Heights. It's, like, very highly rated. And, um, at first I was like, I am not going to fucking Tennessee. Like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Like, I can find, like, I'll find a place, you know? Like, I don't know why I was just so, like, I'm not Tennessee, but, um. Yeah, it's not like you ever had a bad experience in Tennessee. No, no, I've never. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Let's go to, like, Florida or, I don't know. I did it in Los Angeles. <laughs> and it was amazing. Actually, <laughs> actually, when you, re you said you had relapsed in April 2018 at, yeah, for one of your relapses. Um, that's when I got sober was, you know, April 25th, 2018 is my recovery date. Okay. And that's when I flew out to LA and from, from Philly. Yeah. So like, I went like across the country to get, it was my only time in rehab though. Um, and it was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, you know, like, but I also was refusing Suboxone too in there because I knew if I took the Suboxone, I would end up yeah. being, you know, there was, yeah. it, you know, you only, I don't. I understand the maintenance programs and I support the maintenance programs because a lot of people need them. But yeah. I feel like if you can get up, get away with it without it, then don't. Absolutely. Because yeah. then you're going to be in rehab for them. Yeah. Or having to taper them or come off. And from what I've heard, methadone and Suboxone are much even harder to come off of than dope or pills. Yeah. Suboxone sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw a girl in rehab who was there for Suboxone because she was in rehab the year before for heroin. You know, and then she had to go back to rehab to get off the Suboxone. Yeah. So, like, you know, so what's different this time around besides the Tennessee? Are you, like, are you, now you're, it sounds like you're working a program this time because you keep on saying the key words. I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't have a sponsor. And these are all things that, like, you know that you need to do to stay sober, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, like, the biggest thing I think <laughs> is just, like, I mean, getting away from North Carolina and all the people, like, I mean, I know, like, wherever you go, there you are. Like, that's not, you know, just, like, geographical change, like, isn't the only thing. But, like, for me, it definitely helped a lot. Um, I didn't feel like I had, like, all this responsibility with, like, 
to take care of other people anymore. Yeah. And, um, I mean, just honestly, like, the rehab I went to was just so much better than the other one. I mean, I love, like, the staff at the one in Charlotte, but, like, Cumberland Heights was just amazing. I mean, it was, like, um, focusing, like, you focused on, like, step work. Like, they took you through, like, step one through five, like, in, like, a practice pamphlet. So it was a, it was actually a rehab that actually did the 12 steps because mm-hmm. only some do that. And yeah. it's so important, the ones that do, because mm-hmm. it can be so helpful if done right. And actually, right. like, you know, um, you know, with like you want to do them. And when you're actually putting the effort into them, it, it's amazing how well they work, <laughs> the steps. Yeah. Like, are, are you are you still working on them? Yeah, I'm, I'm still on step four. Yeah. Right, hey, you're done. yeah exactly <laughs> How, how's your list coming along it's uh it's lengthy is it honest it's all that matters yeah uh, i mean yeah. and i feel like um you have more against yourself than anybody else yeah, yeah. okay that's good that, that's yeah. a good thing yeah, yeah like hard for me to actually like anytime i'm i'm trying to write these resentments and be like like i feel like most people do it like it's all this person's fault and now I have to find my like no I know my part in all of this like I'm trying to like find a person where like I truly think that they didn't wrong and like I had no part I can't good luck single person yeah. yeah good luck do you watch friends at all <laughs> yeah okay I'm a big friends fanatic and I always think back to the um episode when Phoebe hates PBS and she tries and she tries to prove to Joey that there is such thing as a selfishly unselfish good deed you know, and then she like donates money to PBS because she hates PBS, but <laughs> she wanted Joey to get on TV. And then she got excited when she saw Joey on TV, and then she's like, "Damn it!" Like you know, <laughs> it's the same idea, yeah. but <laughs> it really is. Like that's how I always think of it, and it's the truth though, because there is no like, you can be selfish but not self-serving, because there's a difference. Like between self-serving and selfish, I feel like. Yeah. You know, and it's okay that you want to do things that make you feel good, but maybe have somebody else feel good in there too. Right. You know, because that is possible. Yeah. No, like, just like, doing this makes me feel good. Yeah. I feel like it teaches you how the right ways to be selfish and the wrong ways to be selfless. You know what I mean? No, I know. Yeah. Like, I I had a problem with, um, with character defects when you get to six. Um, I had a problem with manipulation, you know, we're good manipulators, addicts, you know, it's just like trade, it's just standard trade. And I did not want to drop that because I, you know, I was a salesman too, like in like my (laughs) jobs, I was always in sales. Yeah. And, you know, they were like my sponsor and then my therapist, because I was talking to everybody about that's the big thing too, is talk to everybody that you can talk to, you know, like whether it's a sponsor or a therapist or a peer counselor, talk to people because it's you're going to get a lot of different opinions and draw from a lot of different things that you can use. And um, finally, someone said to me, I forget which one. They were like, listen, you can be manipulative as long as you're not self-serving. Mm-hmm. As long as when you're manipulating somebody, it's to help them and not help you. And I was like, OK, I can do that. <laughs> you know, I, can, I think I can do that. So... And, and and you can, and there are ways that you can, you know, not manipulate people, but just like, it's more, you know, leading a horse to water, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that's what you do when you're manipulating somebody else for their own benefit, 
um, and you'll find even more as you get more time and you like want to help others is that you want to make sure that you're not telling them, go get help, go get help, go get help. It's more like I'm here when you need me, right? you know, whenever you're ready kind of thing. And then we're really going to be able to get into it because if you don't want to be here, this is not going to work. Exactly. Like, yeah. and what are you, what are you, what are your plans? Like for how long are you going to be there for? Cause you've been there for eight months now. Yeah. Um, so as soon as I got out of Cumberland Heights, I, um, I came to like a sober living and it's a minimum of six months, um, but you could stay as long as a year. So I'm going to stay a full year. So I'll leave here um, end of January. Um, I'm already like trying to look at apartments, which is just like, <laughs> it's just crazy for me um, to like, I mean, I don't know, just to it's like so many good things are happening in my life right now and it just blows my mind like what like i just got a car i didn't i spent like six months here without a car which i mean i figured it out like it was fine i still got to work and like now i have a car that i love it's old but i love it and like i have all my um my court stuff from like the dui like i was still dealing with that and it's all paid for i just got my license back um last month uh, i had to go like a year without that um i'm about to get like a promotion at my job which i mean it's like i have but like it's the promotion oh, yeah <laughs> and um i just started school last month at aveda i'm trying to get my esthetician license and i'm just like it's so much fun like i'm really enjoying it like i just i feel so good about it so you're you're basically you're enjoying life basically for the first yeah. time like, like a normal life <laughs> how, and how old are you 25 25 yeah and you have like so much time to like get it right now you know because like and you know like i said i'm 31 and i figured it out by the time i now be 35 in september plus well, holy shit it is september i'll be 35 <laughs> at the end of the month <laughs> uh, and you know but you figure it out when you figure it out but the whole point is though like if as long as you're being honest about it and putting the work in which it sounds like you are and like you have a sponsor now mm-hmm. okay good and, <laughs> and you talk to them and you see do you how often do you go to meetings um at least four a week and you're an aa or an na i do both you do both which one do you like prefer are you going through the steps um i work I mean, I do AA with my sponsor just because she's AA, but, um, I I love both. Like, around, or at least the ones that I've been to here are, like, the ones I frequent, like, they're not as, you know, you go into an AA meeting and, like, you talk about, even bring up, like, the possibility that you ever touch drugs and they get, like, so upset. Like, it's not, the ones I go through around here are not like that. It's, they're all, like, very... You know, if I feel like I'm in the same type of meeting, no matter which meeting I go to. Out of the That's good. Of. How long were you the sober living manager getting away with it? Oh, like a week. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> not long. <laughs> you wore it on your face? or? Well, well, that was, I mean, it lasted until, like, I got kicked out. That's true. Well, yeah, I guess because <laughs> you ran out of money, like you said, and that's why you were going to sell your MacBook. Yes. And, but... But, and again, you weren't working, a pro- did you not want to work a program? Did you think you didn't need it? It wasn't that, it was like, see, I tried, there was like one point, um, that 
some point when I was like sober, I, um, I tried to work the steps by myself. I like got the workbook out and I started like writing everything and like, then I'm just looking at a piece of paper with like all of this terrible shit that I've done. And it's like, I have nobody to like, let it out to like, do not recommend that. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of hard to do steps by yourself when five you're yeah. supposed to talk about four to somebody else right. <laughs> but i just like i like always i mean i guess like i wanted a sponsor but like my anxiety is so bad especially when i'm sober so like when i go to a meeting like i didn't feel like i was a part of like any sort of fellowship when i was there before like you know i i mean it's my fault for like just looking like this little like the hermit crab in the corner and like not trying to approach people at the meetings but like you know i just go in sit down and i'd like run out before anyone would talk to me yeah so that like, makes sense I, you know i was too like scared to like ask a woman to like help me <laughs> and how do you feel about your anxiety now this time around like in sobriety because like that doesn't go away obviously right it's i mean but it's i'm able to do things now that like i mean i couldn't imagine doing back then but it's like i mean super simple tasks like like at a serving job like i did that in the past and i couldn't do it unless i was drunk or on xanax or something because like i'm just like terrified of people and like i mean i would show up to work drunk every single day because i was just so terrified and like now it's just like i just do it like and i'm fine i mean it doesn't mean i don't like get nervous sometimes or just, like someone's upset like it doesn't you know freak me out like a little bit but it's like i don't know it's it's not as bad as i thought it was gonna be before i feel like i always say that you know everyone always goes to the gym right because people are vain and people will see your progress on your body when you go to the gym mm -hmm. but going to meetings and working the steps and working on yourself that's our gym and the more you get through your own anxiety, every time you have like anxiety attacks and you still sit through it, like I always say to people here, like sit in the shit, you got to sit in it. And the more you sit in it, the easier it'll be next time you have to sit in it because you will have to sit in it again. Yeah. It's not going away. It's going to come back again, but you'll get stronger each time. You'll gain more confidence each time. It'll yeah. get easier each time. So, like, I feel like it's almost repetition and just, like, all right, I got through the first one. All right, let's do it again. <laughs> Day two of work. Yeah. I'm sure you were nervous going back to work, right? Like, in a whole new place now? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, job interviews terrify me. I don't think I've... I've done one job interview sober in my entire life because, I mean, just people and, like, they're gonna be asking me questions that I don't have an answer like written down on a piece of paper to just give them, you know? But um, some, I just like skipped the interview for this job because like it was like a girl at the house got me the job. So like I just went right in and like, I was, yeah, I was terrified. I mean, for a while, I'm like just standing there following her around like, like I'm so scared to do this by myself. Like I'm about to like tomorrow, I'm gonna have to work for it by myself, talk to these people. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And now it's like, I mean, I'm about to be, like, shift supervisor of the place. Yeah, and look at you now. You're, you've been on here for an hour telling your story. Yeah. To a complete uh, stranger. Yeah. For a podcast, you know, for, you know, 
tens of people because <laughs> I don't have a lot of viewers. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just laughs> and who knows <laughs> how many will end up seeing it. But, like, even if you help one person, that's the thing. And yeah. when we tell our story, like, I only try to, like, think about – I just want to connect to one person each mm -hmm. time. And if one person gets something from it, then I just did my job. Yeah. You know, because, you know, everyone feels so lost. Everyone does feel alone. Everyone does have anxiety about it, too. That's, you know, a lot of us addicts are empaths, and we feel really, really hard. And then we don't understand. And then when we don't understand, we have to just numb because we are so upset that nobody understands what's going on in our head. Yeah. And nobody, nobody cares like we care. You know what I mean? And then we take it out on ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, like self-harm and like self-harm isn't just cutting self-harm is being like, I, I can't do this anymore. Fuck it. I know where it's going to take me, but I have to do it. Yeah. You know, and that's how all my like times that like I had quit for a little bit of time here and there and like put some time together it was never from working a program. It was never. And then once I finally was just like, all right, I'm done. Like I've surrendered. Like, literally, I surrender, like, white flag, what do I need to do? Like, that was my rock bottom. And I honestly feel like that's everybody's rock bottom. Like, your rock bottom wasn't overdosing in your dad's car. Your rock bottom was when you finally surrendered and say, hey, can I get a sponsor? Because I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Like, that's I, that's, I firmly believe, is all of our rock bottoms. You're low. You know, maybe one of your biggest lows might have been like that you know, overdosing and hospital visits and car accidents. But really, because that's your rock bottom. And then you start clawing your way up again. You start working on yourself. You start feeling better again. You start realizing, oh, I'm not such a piece of shit like I thought I was. Yeah. You know, because, like, that's definitely a lie I told myself all the time was how horrible a person I was. Yeah. And, I mean, it was easy to because everyone else didn't like me anyway. You know, and I'm sure I didn't feel alone. And that's why we isolate when we got high is because nobody's going to understand anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad that you're finally like not saying getting it, but like you're doing it mm -hmm. that, you know, you're working on it. This is an ongoing process. Yeah. And it's definitely <laughs> you're like you're never done working on it. I mean, three years later, I can tell you, you're never done working on it. And you're not supposed to be because then you wouldn't be learning anything anymore. You wouldn't just, you just be existing. Right. So like, I'm so glad that you're like getting out of your shell, you know, and just like, all right, I'm going to, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's do this because like, it's not easy, but it's worth it. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming on and especially short notice. Like we talked this morning you're like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> So I appreciate I, you asking me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I read some of your story. I'm like, I definitely want to hear more from her. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm glad you're working on it. I'm glad you're working the steps now. Like, that's amazing. And it's definitely going to, like, pay off huge for you. And, you know, you're coming up on nine months. But if you need anything, you know, reach out. Either way, that's our, our page. And what we do for the meeting center, we answer and help people, whoever messages like we're not just for the people in this area like the podcast is broadcasted everywhere so anybody that reaches out i'm going to want to try to help okay. so yeah don't feel shy i mean i know that how it is when we relapse in our head we already done but still maybe reach out next time <laughs> and talk to somebody and realize okay this isn't that the bit i'll be okay yeah. i'll get through this 
and then I don't want to start this all over again. I want to do this right. Right. You know, <laughs> and especially because you might not have another one in you. You know, that's the thing. How many relapses do we have in us? I feel like I've exhausted all of my... You know, how many overdoses do you have? How many lives can, you know, so like, you know, it's definitely, especially with fentanyl's getting worse and worse. You know, I just, I don't trust it. And then again, I'm never, I'm never safe. None of us are. Mm -hmm. But as long as we keep on talking about it and being open and transparent about it, that's what's like really important and going to help you have longevity in this. So thank you again, Kayla. I appreciate you taking the time. Have a good night. I know you got some chores to do. I know how sober living works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll let you know when this is going up. It'll some, some sometime midweek. All right. All right. Thank have you. a good day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.